Hey friends, we understand that trying to lead a church through the raging waves of cultural upheaval is difficult. As a church leader, you want to encourage and support your congregation through these trying times, but not everyone processes events the same. This makes it challenging to discern what to preach or not preach in uncertain times. That's why Northern Seminary presents Staying Power Through Courageous Preaching with President Dr. William Scheel, Dr. Beth Felker-Jones, Dr. Marshall Hatch, and Reverend Tracy Bianchi. You deserve the confidence to invite your church to live out God's story today. Northern wants to help you find this confidence in your preaching and beyond. Join us on March 24th at 7 p.m. Central Time for this live online event. Register today at the link in the description. Welcome to the Alabaster Jar, a weekly conversation where we take on current issues impacting women at the intersection of faith, theology, and ministry. We are pleased to offer Alabaster Jar as a podcast of Northern Seminary. My name is Serene Musselman, and on today's episode, our host, Dr. Lynn Kohick, is joined by Reverend Tracy Bianchi for the start of a new series of conversations we have jokingly dubbed False Eyelashes and Spandex. In this episode, we talk about makeup in the ancient world, what scripture has to say about beauty standards, and implications for us in the 21st century. Well, Serene, we've got a very interesting topic today. Uh, Tracy and I and you are going to be talking about makeup. Now, before all the gentlemen who typically listen to this podcast, and that includes my husband even, uh, tune out and think, no, this isn't for me. Actually, it is really for you, right? Because the, the, um, the topic of makeup, whether you wear any or not, is so important for how women um, experience their daily lives that we really want men to know what we're thinking and how we're feeling on this um, to sometimes help us when things are um, are getting a little, uh, well, I don't know what to say, when, when we're getting into it a little bit too, uh, too heavy. Um, so anyway, I hope that the, that the men stay with us in this very important topic um, but now I'm going to kind of switch gears to uh, talk with Tracy directly about false eyelashes, because this is how the whole uh, idea of doing a podcast on makeup came up when Tracy, you texted me and said, hey, Lynn, did you ever did you wear uh, false eyelashes? Go ahead. Fill, fill in this uh, context here for us, Tracy. <laughs> well, thanks. Um, this is a great conversation. I'm happy to be here having it. And I am chuckling because um, Lynn and I were, were uh, working on Seminary Now uh, content for two separate uh, filming pro- film projects. And Lynn had done hers about a week before mine. And I was happy to be doing it, but was completely caught off guard because I, you know, I had my script. I had all my theology. I had studied up my scripture. I... I was prayed up and I showed up to get ready to film and I got plopped down in a chair and they did hair and makeup and they put fake eyelashes on. I, I was, it was 50 minutes, which I, I don't know how to read that in terms of what I normally look like without <laughs> makeup and hair done. I don't know if I was a real challenge or not, but it was like 50 minutes. I thought, wow, th- this is and I'm just sitting here. I mean, the woman who did the makeup was very cheerful and we had a, a great discussion, but I did think, 
wow, this takes a lot of time. <laughs> well, you are a more natural beauty than I because it took no. them 65 minutes for me. So. <laughs> uh, no, well, I, I, I don't think that's it. literally after uh, at, at one point at break in the filming, I, I went into the ladies room and happened to just glance in the, in the mirror and I, honestly thought there was somebody else in the bathroom. <laughs> I thought, I, I don't even recognize myself. Anyway, it was kind of crazy. So when I get this text, hey, did you choose false eyelashes? <laughs> I thought, wow, there's there's something really deep here. So, <laughs> so we thought we'd ask about makeup. And you know, because this is just the nerd that I am, I kind of looked up uh, in the ancient world, um, you know, did they, did they have makeup? And in point of fact, they did. They would put, um, they had, they created kind of a powdery sort of thing to, for women to make their face look whiter. Um, they had um, a, a way to stain their eyebrows darker. Um, they could dye their hair or even use hair pieces. Um, it seems as though the use of cosmetics was pretty widespread and You'd find in burial sites, not I'm not saying Christian burial sites, but just in general, like boxes, little boxes or uh, stone jars that had face powder and rouge in. Um, so, you know, it it was it was around um, eye, eye cream to kind of emphasize that. And we we see that even in the biblical text. The classic example is Jezebel having uh, her eyes kind of made up and when you find, you don't find it a lot, but when you find a reference to facial makeup, um, it tends to be negative, either the character of a Jezebel or some uh, a prostitute trying to entice uh, a man with that. So, so it, you know, makeup was a part of, of the ancient world. I actually even found that, that you could have men having makeup. They would do, uh, body makeup to imitate a tan to kind of show that they had been, you know, out in the gymnasium exercising. So they, they had a tan and I don't know if our listeners are aware, but in the gymnasium, the gym suit was your birthday suit. <laughs> so <laughs> cut down on washing. You didn't have sweaty clothes to wash, but um, that, that was where they would get a tan. And so the, the kind of the color, if the man was more tan, it meant he was going to the gymnasium, which was a thing that elite men did. So, so we've been, I don't know about false eyelashes, but we've been dealing with makeup in, in the, in humanity, in human culture for a long time. Well, and it's, it, it's fascinating too, because we, I don't know, I put it in this category of things like my teenage daughter worries about, you know, but then, you know, here I am, um, I am a woman in ministry. And every time I preach, I spend a little bit more time pulling myself together than I normally do. And my heart when I step into the pulpit is to preach God's word. But I also want some lip gloss and I have this weird conflict inside of me. Like, is that super vain or does that make sense? And um, it turns out um, a lot of women who are leaders and who are ministry can relate to this angst because it sort of feels like this trite little thing to be worried about. But at the same time, 
you stand up or on a camera or in a pulpit and people are looking at you and then they're not always thinking, oh, she's preaching it up the word of the Lord. They're thinking, oh, she could use some highlights or, you know, or he, you know, it's weird. Like our appearances can distract people. I, you know, I know this happens to my male colleagues too. I, some of them have had bad haircuts and, you know, they preach a good sermon and then someone comments on their bad haircut and you're like, why are we doing this? But yet it is part of the, it's part of the puzzle of presenting in a public space. How do we encourage each other? Um, cause I'm, I'm going to get to, um, uh, first Timothy two, which I think will say some stuff about, about maybe, you know, kind of where the Lord, uh, where the Lord wants us to be. Um, but just in the moment, like when, what, what, what could I do, Tracy? Like if I'm sitting there in the pews and you're finishing speaking and step down, What's, what's the response that I can have that, that blesses you? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, I think that, I think there was, and, and the response is, I think there's a different, couple of different approaches. One, none of us who are communicators um, communicate so that we get accolades or criticism. Clearly we are hoping not to get criticism. That is part of the job. Um, but you know, none of us step up there and go, well, I hope someone comments on how good this was today. Now, I will confess, that does feel good when someone says, hey, that was a good sermon, or that was a good message, or that was powerful, or that was what, what the Lord needed me to hear. Those are all wonderful things. But what, what I don't know any women who um, want to hear someone walk up to them after they've preached or poured out their heart to God, and someone from the congregation says, oh, your hair looks nice today. That may be the case, <laughs> but I wonder in a gentle way, and I don't mean to sound harsh when I say that, but if we are in a, in a, going to approach a woman or a guy, but let's just be honest, this happens to women a lot more, who has just preached or presented or taught a Bible study, whatever it is, um, it would be great if the compliments we paid them had to do with the power of their words, the strength of their um, message, uh, the positional authority that maybe you are grateful for, and had less to do with, hey, where'd you buy those earrings? Or um, I love that, you know, shade of whatever you have. And, you know, for some of you listening right now, especially guys, you might wonder, does that really happen? And I have to say, it happens almost every time. Women get as many comments on their theology as they do about the shade of lipstick they're wearing, what they just did to their hair, where they bought some item of clothing they're wearing. It's a, it's a fascinating phenomena. I'll ca- literally call it that. I don't know if that's the right word, but it feels like that. <laughs> and so I think if you're, if you're listening to a woman present or preach and they feel uh, em- equipped by God to you, compliment God in them, not the way they look. I don't know if that makes sense. But Oh, no, that's, that's so good. Yeah. Compliment God in them. Absolutely. I think, because I think that's, I, I, as you were talking, I was thinking, why, why does it uh, not feel as great to get a compliment? Oh, your hair looks nice, instead of, uh, wow, that was rich theology. And I think it's because the hair or the lip color feels superficial compared to what I was hoping to communicate. That it's, um, 
And some of it is, is just sort of, sort of uh, you know, what you're given. You know, you're given brown hair or black hair or blonde hair or curly hair, whatever it, whatever it is, um, that it, part of it is, it's not, it's not anything you've done. It's not something you've worked on to accomplish. It just simply is what you are. And, and I think that also then, yeah, it, it feels more superficial. I think also when, uh, when someone, and I'm going to say often when a man compliments a woman about her appearance, it can, it can feel like I've now taken you as a person and I've categorized you in terms of your physical appearance rather than the information that you bring, the experience that you bring, the wisdom that you bring to whatever our conversation is. And so you're, you're being reclassified into a space where it's all about the, the visual and it's not about the mind or the heart or the experience. And so I think that's, but a lot of men, I think, feel like, well, I just, I just want to be nice you know, and so let's do a both and. That was a great message. I'm so convicted, and you look healthy. <laughs> you know, so you can do both. <laughs> exactly. Well, and it, it, this is interesting. So i I have two sons and a daughter, and you know, people are um, you know kind about my my kids. I, I like to think they've done some good things in the world. They're all teenagers. And it's, it, it is interesting to hear the way people and men, men or women hear the way people will comment on your child. And if, if any of my sons have ever received a compliment, it's, oh, you know, oh, I met your son the other day. He's smart. Or, oh, I saw your son the other day. He must be a good athlete or, you know, he must be funny or whatever. And it's interesting. And people say, oh, I saw your daughter. She's sweet. She's beautiful. She's so pretty. And it's funny because my daughter is a better athlete probably than both of my sons are, you know, but it's in, the way they, it's just, this is the culture we have. Right. And rarely does someone, you know, come to me and say, Oh, I met your daughter the other day. She's a fierce, you know, academic or a, a strong athlete. They say, Oh, she's so cute. And it's this weird, we do this with men and women. I mean, this is beyond just teenage kids. We do this with men and women, the way we approach them in staff meetings or in the pulpit or whatever it might be. Um, so I think and, you make a great point. Yeah. Yeah. And so to, to, um, to kind of a couple of things that I, that I think of is we, how do we define at least let's say as a church, what beauty is. And I think, especially right now in our culture, beauty and being sexy are almost the same thing right? We define beauty now so much in terms of uh, not, I don't even want to say sexuality. I want to say being sexy. You know, we don't have a conception of beauty that captures the imperfections that are part of all of our lives and, and, and adds character. Um, So I would think that that'd be something for, for the church to begin to think more deeply about just the definition of, of beauty. Um, and then I, I think it also about um, the, the context of worship, and that's what we've been uh, talking about a lot. And I think of First Timothy chapter 2, um, especially starting in verse 8, 
when Paul talks about in every place that men pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument, that Paul, um, as he's thinking about the worship service, he's he's imagining men taking a pretty standard pose. It's called the Aran's pose. It's uh, where you just kind of put your hands out at about shoulder length, bending your elbows, kind of lifting the palms of your hands up to the up to the sky. And it's a classic pose that both men and women did in the ancient world. And both, uh, I mean, Christians did it, pagans did it. It's just how you uh, looked. You know, we have those little emojis of two hands pressed together that signal prayer. I mean, their emoji, <laughs> their frescoes and coins and all that had the Iran's position. And, and so I think Paul here is encouraging men to pray and he's still in that mode of what should our worship be when he uh, moves in verse nine, that women should dress themselves modestly and decently with suitable clothing and not with their hair braided or with gold, pearls or expensive clothing, but with good works as is proper for women who profess reverence for God. And the this is one of the very few places in the New Testament where we have this um call to modesty. So I thought it'd be worth looking more closely at what Paul is kind of getting at here, because I think sometimes the whole conversation about makeup, and you you alluded to this earlier, Tracy, when you said, you know, how I want to put lip gloss on, but then I think, really, do I need the lip gloss? And you have this kind of inner dialogue about, you know, what kind of what am I doing? And, and I think uh, Paul was... Uh, is not saying that women should feel comfortable uh, feeling bad about how they look, right? That's not that's not the point here. In fact, I think the point that Paul is driving uh, to here is to distinguish Christian worship from uh, the worship of Artemis there in Ephesus, and it's really interesting how um, how closely. Uh, his description of what the how the women should dress or not dress uh, relates to how women who were part of the festivals and the processions to the Artemis Temple uh, how how they dressed and how Paul is distinguishing how Christians should dress. Um, so you have um, a, a story that was written. It's called the Ephesians Tale or Ephesiaca that um, Xenophon wrote, and it's dated to the first century, so close to when Paul wrote Ephesians. And there is parts of that story where he describes the, the women, and he talks about how they have a particular hairstyle, which includes braids. So it's partly the hair is hanging down and it's partly braided. He talks about the dress that they wear. It's a, a purple ketone, like a just a you know, basic dress, but the color is purple. Um, and, and you have um, the main character, uh, uh, Anthea is her name, and she talks about how she's putting her hair up in this special half hanging down, half braided kind of look so that she mimics the goddess. Um, and the, the same root of the word 
um, found in the Ephesians tale that describes braided hair is uh, found in Ephesians, I'm sorry, here in 1 Timothy 2.9, when Paul cautions, cautions against braided hair. So I think Paul is trying to say, look, when you all do worship, I want you men to, to have a, a focus on prayer in holiness, not, uh, not uh, discussing and arguing with each other during this time of prayer and worship. And you women, forget your past when you used to dress in a certain way, an, er- an erotic way, actually, because, I mean, that is also part of this tale. The women would dress in such a way to try and attract attention of a suitor. So there was an, an erotic nature to this. And, and Paul is saying to these formerly pagan women who probably participated in this festival, don't braid your hair. That, that's not how we, we show um, piety now. Um, we, we don't, we don't use our gold and our pearls to attract attention to ourselves, to show our wealth to others so that, uh, you, you again can either get a better suitor or your family honor is, is increased. So, um, you know, I think Paul, the, the modesty piece is, is, uh, talked about over against the, erotic nature of so much of uh, of the festivals that were happening there in uh, in Ephesus, as we see here in uh, 1 Timothy 2, verse 9 and 10. And actually, when Paul talks about, uh, he, he'll talk about clothing again when he's talking to the Ephesian elders in uh, Acts 20. Um, he talks about how he hasn't coveted gold or clothing Um which again, I think has a backdrop of the emphasis on a particular type of clothing and emphasis on displaying your wealth to attract attention to yourself. And so there's all this pagan uh, backdrop to what Paul, I think, is talking about here with uh, women being modest and decent. It's like when you're serving the one true God, here's how we comport ourselves. And we don't have to get into the sexually explicit or, or sexually alluring um, behavior. So that's not what God, what God has for us. Yeah. I, I, lo- I love the unpacking of that. I, I don't, I've not heard some of that um, content and I've, I've, I've always understood there was a, a robust context as we all know, right behind our text, but that is, I think so helpful. And it, it provides so much texture for this conversation, you know, because it, it becomes then um, a conversation about how we present ourselves in worship and what um, the focus is in any sort of image-based conversation we might have so true. Um, in ministry. And so I, I find passages like this that I would, honestly, usually skip over. I'm like, ah, I don't know, something about braids. It doesn't apply to our time today. What, you know, and I <laughs> just move on. Let's, you know, if, if I'm honest, that's just, know, that's bad exegesis, but that's what I would do sometimes. And, and instead, um, you know, brings us right into that space where then whoever we are, when we're ready to present what we have in worship to the Lord in our ministry and our calling and whatever we're doing, we, 
we can do it with the right posture and without the baggage and the worry of too much or not enough, you know, either any end of the spectrum is not honoring of God. It's not like, well, do this, not that. It's no, what do you do with who you are when you come so that you can get to this place that Paul is talking about? Like, look, you're a Christian now (laughs) and, you know, it doesn't matter braids or gold, whatever, just show up and be you. Um, But yet here we are, we talk about some of these things because we also don't want to be distracting. And we, we, we serve in modern context. I work at a church in an auditorium with dozens of cameras and lights. And if I wake up and just feel like showing up the way I look when I woke up, people will ask me if I'm ill. <laughs> right, right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that can't happen either. It's like, no. what do I need to do to just bring it all to the message of the morning instead of all of this other stuff? So anyway. Uh, exactly right. And I think, um, I mean, I, I looked at... Um, chapter two, verses eight through 10. But at the beginning of that chapter, both men and women, the goal is that we uh, have supplications and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving that are made for everyone. Like the whole, our whole demeanor is to be kind of outward focused, thinking about others and giving thanks to God why? So that we can leave a quiet, we can lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and dignity. And I think that's, you know, there's something about looking put together that brings dignity to your physical body, right? And, and dignifies the event that you, you know, you've taken time to be presentable because this is, uh, in, it's respectful to others and respectful to God. But the show of wealth, the attention grabbing, that's what the gold and the pearls and, uh, and, all, and the expensive clothing, that's what setting yourself above someone else or implicitly being in competition with somebody else or trying to draw attention to um, uh, in, in an in a inappropriate, like a sexual way. Um, that the braided hair kind of uh, in, intimated um, in the, in that context. It doesn't in ours, which is why I think you know we look at that and think, what's the problem with braided hair? You know, but that's the I, that there was a problem with braided hair back then, given its context. So yeah, so I think the you know we still haven't really landed the plane though about false eyelashes, and and maybe we just. I don't know, maybe some of our listeners will just send in their comments. Now, my my eyelashes came off when I washed my face. And uh, so I don't know. I, <laughs> Tracy, what, what about you? I think we need to at least reassure our our listeners where we are in this. In yes. This. Yes. My, my, my eyelashes washed down the drain. So my, my, much to the chagrin of my daughter who said, Mom, those actually don't look too bad. So. <laughs> I know. I took a photo. I said when I got home, honey, take a photo of me because I will never look like this again. Right. So so anyway, we've had our foray into that. But I know there's some women who are just much more skilled in all of this that uh, love to use those lashes. And, you know, I think that from the from the standpoint of the Lord just allowing us to uh Give give us uh, a um, an opportunity to let us feel beautiful as we like to feel beautiful is wonderful. There's a freedom in the Lord for that, um, and there's a caution 
that we don't use our resources to um, uh, to be boastful or to be in competition with someone else or to uh, promote our wealth in a way that um, that shames or put down that puts down others and kind of beyond that I think there's great freedom for women um, to to kind of just enjoy uh, what God has has chosen to, you know, make them look like and, and, uh, have fun, have fun with that. I don't know, Tracy, you have another thought along those lines? Yeah, no, just, just a similar, just a similar closure that, you know, we are, we are different people. We have different ways of expressing who we are and our appearance is one of those. And it's one of the, it's one of the gifts, our countenance, right. Our, our, um, our just way of uh, presenting ourselves and of being in a space. And so whatever it takes in the context we're in to let that part of us, that, that, that piece of us that God has gifted to the world, um, to let that be itself in whatever setting we're in, I think is, is, uh, is, is the win, so to yeah. speak. <laughs> yes. Yes. So much, you know, now we, we kind of got going on, um, false eyelashes here, but that did broaden us from the topic of makeup to the topic of clothing. And so we're going to, we have sort of part two uh, of the podcast that is going to talk about clothing. And I'll just set all this up by saying to our listeners that I used to tell my children who were this time in high school and maybe getting into college that I love them so much, I'm not going to wear spandex. But that's just me, a farm girl from South Central Pennsylvania. Lynn, right? I want to see you in spandex. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> no, you don't. No, no, you don't. So anyway, that's kind of our setup for the uh, the part two episode on, uh, I don't know, what are we calling this, Serene? We'll have to think of a good name. <laughs> what, what not to wear. <laughs> yes, yeah. What not to wear for pastors. False eyelashes and spandex. There you go. Yes. I like it. <laughs> That's a winner right there. <laughs> You've been listening to another episode of the Alabaster Jar. We upload new episodes every Tuesday, so subscribe, share with your friends, and join us back here next week as we continue our conversations on issues impacting women at the intersection of faith, theology, and ministry.